Greetings to all cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuning to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. My mom and I rise by, and I'm right away go. We invaded airwaves. Indeed, indeed, tell a friend to tell a friend that we're live on the airways right now, and we got a lot to get to on tonight's show, so I will be handling it down or holding it down, rather, on the solo tip. But we have a lot of great topics to get to, which include Kanye West feuding <laughs> with Nick Cannon and Drake over Instagram. That's the real thing, apparently. We're going to get into that. Not only are we going to get into that, but we're also going to get into the official word of Space Jam 2 being in production or will be in production. So we'll get into that as well as... Who else we got? Oh, we, we got to get into Remy Ma's comments that she made on Joe Budden's uh, TV series known as State of the, State of the Culture. Uh, we'll get into that as well. But before we all do, it's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. So like I mentioned earlier in the show where we're going to be addressing rap beef making a resurgence in 2018. That's not the only type of beef that's been making a resurgence, I would say. Uh, and now, in this case, I wouldn't say resurgence, but still, quote-unquote, beef happening nonetheless. Uh, and I'm referring to what's happening in the NBA as of recent. So the NBA hasn't even started yet, okay? Like, we haven't even started preseason. We haven't even started training camp. Media availability is just around the corner. But right now... Um, NBA All-Star Jimmy Butler has made it apparently has made it apparent and abundantly clear that he does not want to be on the Minnesota Timberwolves by the time the season starts. He wants a trade. He has requested a trade. And the main reason why he wants to be traded is because he doesn't like to play alongside Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. So with that said, Nick Wiggins, Andrew's older brother, basically put up a tweet saying hallelujah and attached it to the official report of Butler uh, requesting a trade. So that got around. And afterwards, a lot of people started chiming in on their opinion on it, namely uh, former NBA player and now current NBA analyst Stephen Jackson. So Stephen Jackson went on IG as well and did a little video basically stating that Andrew Wiggins has no hearts. So when that came out, Andrew Wiggins responded and basically called him a bum ass, talking about why are you questioning my heart, essentially. So Jackson went on the rebuttal and said, hey, I think you're a good player. I think you're, you're talented. But just know, keep that same energy if you see me out here in these streets, so to speak. Not only that, but Nick Wiggins also responded to Stephen Jackson with a few words of his own as well. And then Jackson responded to him. And then Jimmy Butler even put up a video of him working out. And the caption was, hallelujah. So there's a lot of beef, quote-unquote, to go around right now. It's more so petty beef than anything. Nothing too serious. But I love it. I love it. And I think this adds to why the NBA is so popular. And I feel like it's more popular than any of the other 
than any of the three other major uh, North American team sports because of the fact that there's so much visibility and there's so much transparency happening. Like, when do you ever get to see this in any of the other major leagues in North America? I barely see this in baseball, in hockey, maybe a little bit in football, but that's about it. Basketball happens all the time. Like, there's so much visibility and it adds to the marketability of the league. I mean, the NBA is the only sports league in North America out of the four major sports ones that you get to see the players' faces without any type of headgear at all whatsoever. Even if they're rocking a headband or goggles, you can still see their faces. Their jerseys you can wear in and outside of the outside of the court. Their sneakers, in fact, you can wear in and outside of the court. You can't wear cleats, you can't wear skates, but you can definitely wear a pair of LeBrons on your feet in and out of the in and out of the gym. So I feel like stuff like this, yes, petty. But it's somewhat entertaining as well because you know it's not going to get to a point of physicality or anything like that. These are guys that are just chirping off the mouth right now. And you got to love it. And I think this is more beneficial for Andrew Wiggins out of everyone because of the fact that Andrew Wiggins is now entering his fifth year into the league. And we've yet to see the promise that was supposed to come out of him coming into the league. I mean, he was drafted number one overall in a very loaded I'm not going to say loaded, but more so in a very publicized draft class. Now, I want to call him a bust because he's still playing good. He's averaging around 20 points per game throughout his entire career. But by now, we expected more. So he hasn't done bad, but he hasn't done amazing either. He's just been on the fence, really. And because of that, a lot of people assume that he's very copacetic with where he's at right now. And they haven't seen that fire and that passion. You look at somebody like Carl Anthony Towns, who got drafted maybe a year or two after him, and he's now an all-star. There are guys who are just kind of surpassing him. Even Joel Embiid, his teammate uh, at Kansas, has surpassed him. Like he's be- he's become an all-star in his own right as well. Now you could argue that those two guys are the the leaders of their of their of their franchise, but they're also playing alongside talented guys who are on their level as well, like Ben Simmons in Philly, and and yeah, like Carl Anthony Towns himself as well in Minnesota. So really, I want to see this. Uh, I want to see Wiggins use this as an opportunity to really show everyone in the league why he was drafted number one overall, why he can be a transcendent talent if need be. Because right now, I mean, with Steven Jackson saying how he has no heart and everything, he's not all the way wrong about it. It may sound a little harsh, but again, we haven't seen an inkling of any type of superstar talent within Wiggins. And he was supposed to be one of these next generational pieces to lead the NBA. And so far, there are, there are guys who have come out after him who have, who have surpassed him. And I think Wiggins right now is almost on the outside looking in. And whether he needs to be on his own team or whether he needs to step into Minnesota, Minnesota, I think this little tiff can be an opportunity for him to do just that. But what do you guys think? Let me know. Hit me up in the comment section uh, on any of my social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. Coming up after the commercial break, man, Rap Beef in 2018 has made a resurgence, okay? And we're going to get into all the beefs that have happened thus far on Wax and a little bit out of Wax as well. And to commemorate that, we're going to play our next song in the beef lineup (laughs) entitled Kill Shot, and that's from Eminem. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Now, let's talk about it. 
<laughs> Let's talk about rap beef in 2018 and how this entire year has basically given rap beef on records somewhat of a resurgence, if I may add. Um, so we just finished listening to Kill Shot from Eminem, and then beforehand we were listening to Rap Devil from MGK. So with that said, let's get right into it, man. Rap beef in the earlier part of this decade almost seemed like a lost art in terms of saying stuff on wax, so to speak. A lot of people, if they had a feud with a particular artist, they would just air out their grievances on social media, whether it be Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. And basically, you got guys saying stuff to the tune of, oh, well, I got more money than him, so I'm good. Or why does this guy even try to step to me? Like, I'm out here making this bank. So a lot of that happened in the early portion of the decade. I think the closest thing that we had to beef like rap beef to start off the decade was the feud between Common and Drake. And it's a little, no pun intended, uncommon <laughs> for Common to start a beef with anyone because of a woman. And he tried to use the excuse that Drake being soft was the reason why he started a beef with him, even though the majority of Common's bigger records revolved around love and relationships. So it was a little awkward, to say the least, especially for someone of Common's caliber who is like the occasional, occasional battle rapper because we know about his beef with uh, Ice Cube and the West Side Connection, but that's about it, though. Outside of that, he hasn't really had any type of lyrical feud with anyone else, so I felt that it was weird for him to dust off his battle mic uh, for Drake, of all people. But anyways, that was back in 2011. And then you could also say that the catalyst for rap beef in this decade thus far was Kendrick Lamar's Control Verse, where he called out, a bunch of his peers who were coming up. ASAP Rocky, Big Crit, Wale, Pusha T. He was a veteran, but still nonetheless. Uh, J. Cole, he called out. Drake, he called out. Uh, J. Electronica and Big Sean, the last two artists that he basically shared that track with. So I think that was the catalyst of rap beef uh, in this decade that we're currently in right now, the 2010s. And some people will say that that's a stretch or that's a reach. But if not that, then what? You know, because since then, we've actually had artists address other artists in on record. And the irony behind that is the fact that the artists who weren't mentioned on that track were the ones who got at Kendrick Lamar. And that was great. Yeah, Budden who got at him. You had Joel Ortiz who got at him. You had Pat Poos who got at him. Basically, a lot of the East Coast acts from the tri-state area got at him because of the whole King of New York line. That I think that was the one that kind of drove the narrative and what have you. But nonetheless, you still had people making their own responses to it. So I think that's what kind of basically sparked up the whole you know beef in this era, basically. Because before then, it was all just social media stuff. And now, fast forward to 2018... We are seeing quite a bit of artists feud with one another. So you go to like J. Cole and Lil Pump, for example. That one was like a mini feud, a very, very small, minuscule feud, if I may add. And you could all, you could potentially attribute that to uh, a song that J. Cole put out back in 2016, I think it was, 2016 to 2017. Basically, around the time when he put out False Prophets. There was another track that went with it as well. Can't remember the name, but he was basically just in mumble rappers. And then Lil Pump, and mind you, I didn't even know who Lil Pump was before I heard about this feud, but basically said that J. Cole was boring. And so then J. Cole put out the 1985 track where he's basically sunning him and kind of giving him the ins and outs of the recording industry and letting him know that if you don't amount to anything else, 
to where you are right now, then you're going to be ending up on Love and Hip Hop. And then they had a sit-down interview where they're kind of hashing out the differences, which I thought was very unique. So that was that. And then you go to the beef that took place this summer, which was very, very, very spicy to say the least. And we are talking about the Drake versus Pusha T beef. And that beef, you could say, goes kind of way back, all the way back to probably 2011, 2012, when Pusha T was taking shots at Lil Wayne and, and Cash Money and Young Money. Drake responded with some subliminals of his own. Then Pusha T did. And then it became full-blown when Pusha T put out the Daytona album with uh, the infrared track with the subliminal aimed at Drake and basically him saying, how you use ghostwriters, you use ghostwriters, et cetera, et cetera. We've been hearing that for the last two or three years now. Kind of old, but whatever. Drake responds back with Duppy Freestyle, aiming his uh, bars at both him and Kanye West because of information that Kanye gave that yeah Kanye gave to Pusha that was through Drake. And then we all know story I've added on, which was probably one of the most scathing distracts I've ever heard, to be honest. Like, if we have to make a top 10 list, I think automatically that goes into the top 10 list. Like, let's be fair. Like, regardless if you're a Pusha or you're a Drake fan, I think we all have to agree that that's in the top 10 list, or at least an honorable mention to to uh, enter into the top 10. So we had that beef, and that beef has since been um, been cut, so to speak, because of Jay Prince's interference, which I thought was kind of weak because we didn't get the opportunity to hear Drake release a response. And I feel like as fans, we were robbed of that. So let's continue to go down the list. So we have Nicki Minaj versus Cardi B. Now, this one's a little different because this one didn't happen on record. It didn't happen on wax. This was something that's been building up ever since the rise of Cardi B. And as we all know, Nicki Minaj does not want another female MC to attain her level of popularity, notoriety, and success. Why? Because she's jealous. She'll talk all this stuff about female empowerment and how she wants to uplift women in the rap industry. Yet, when's the last time, outside of her latest project that features Foxy Brown... Has she ever included another female rapper alongside her, whether old or new? Now, yes, she did the track with Cardi B, Motorsport or whatever, but basically she had to leverage that with Offset and other people of the Migos, and it was more of a business thing more than anything. She didn't want to be on the record. We all noticed, but she did it anyway. But nonetheless, again, when's the last time Nicki Minaj has ever put any other woman on a track? Where what like we haven't heard her collaborate with like let's say Rhapsody or Snow the Product or Nitty Scott or any female rapper who's on the come up or is currently where they are right now. That would have done more to empower her brand, but no, she wants to be on the top by herself amongst the men of rap. And to me, it kind of she kind of reminds you of like certain girls that you kind of grew up with in high school who just wanted all the attention of the boys and just didn't want anything to do with any of the any of the women. That's what it kind of reminds me of. But anyways, I digress. So their beef almost got physical because of the uh, the fashion show that they were at, where Cardi B threw a slipper at her or something like that because of their ongoing feud. And I think it was kind of dumb of Cardi B to do that because now it almost looks as though Nikki is in the right. And Nikki kind of went on her radio show the, uh, the the day or two after it happened, basically talking about, oh, I don't fight. We're queens. We're not supposed to do that. But the joke was she was talking all that smoke 
And then when shit almost got real, then she wants to backpedal and be all dainty and bourgeoisie and what have you. And I'm sorry, Nikki. You can't be the Herschel Barbie girl and then Miss Queen of Melrose Place all at the same time. It doesn't work like that. You're either about that action or you're not. All right? I'm not condoning that. But if that's what you're going to speak, then you better practice what you preach. That's what it comes down to. So there is that issue. And then we have Eminem versus MGK versus Jeezy featuring Joe Budden. So Eminem put out the Kamikaze album to everyone's surprise. And there was a record on there called Not Alike where he was taking multiple shots at multiple rappers, which included MGK, which included Joe Budden, and which included Jeezy. But the most engaging one of all was with MGK because there's a history with that. There is one with Joe Bunn as well, but let's get into the history of the MGK uh, saga. So basically, we kind of know the story by now. MGK said some sexual remarks about Eminem's daughter back in 2012 in a tweet. Eminem didn't like that. So the alleged story is that Eminem blackballed him from Shade 45 Radio and other media outlets because of that. And then this all comes to a head when MGK throws a subliminal shot on a record that he did with Tech 9 Eminem heard the shot and responded back to him in the Not Alike record. And then afterwards, like I would say like less than 72 hours later, MGK puts out a record that we just played on here entitled Rap Devil, a playoff of Rap God from Eminem, where he's basically talking about the entire scenario. And then Eminem gets back at him with uh, Kill Shot, and basically it's a response to what MGK was saying in Rap Devil. Now, earlier on social media today, I listened to the record, and it was my second time to listen to both records earlier today, and I basically said on a post on Facebook saying that with both records being played and listening to both records and what have you, MGK did better than I expected, whereas Eminem did worse than what I expected. So he underachieved where mgk overachieved and either way no matter how you look at it i feel like they're kind of both even at this point i feel like after listening to both of those records mgk had the more compelling story and we don't know if that's true or not as far as what he's saying but i would like to assume that it is so with that being said i felt like his story was a bit more compelling whereas with eminem his ability to put words together and to structure different phrases to to have different subliminal meanings behind what he's saying so like give jade a kiss while jade a kiss while we all know the the uh the ad lib that he likes to give off play on words also kill shot is the name of a movie where colson is the name of the person who has to be assassinated and jk's name is colson so again a lot of these things that eminem put into his diss track just speaks into the structure. And I thought he had the better structure when it came to it, but I just felt like MGK had a more compelling story to go along with it. So either way, people are going to have their opinions as to what they favored more over. And I feel like as far as like scathing lines or what have you, I feel like the best line had to do with Diddy when it was about, you know, the next time I lose to you is the time where Diddy admits to having pot killed or whatever, right? Like, obviously, like, we don't know for sure if if Diddy was the one who had the hit on Pac or whatever, but like that was probably the most eye gouging, you know, ear popping punchline that we've heard on either record, to be honest. And so that line wasn't even about MGK, as is more about Diddy, if anything. Pardon me. So I feel like overall it was an entertaining beef. I think it's done now. I think they've said what they had to say. I don't see either 
either rapper going back at one another because MGK is doing his thing, Eminem's doing his. I think that's it. It's done. It was a moment in time. We enjoyed ourselves. Let's move on. Me personally, I want to hear M go at Joe more often. I want to hear a full song from M going at Joe based on the statements that Joe made on his podcast uh, a week or two ago about you know the fallout with uh, with Slaughterhouse and his career over at Shady Records and how Eminem doesn't really know how to elevate his artists and what have you. I want to hear more about that from both Joe on a rap on a rap record, not just on a podcast, but on a rap record. And I want to see Eminem go at him on that because let's be honest, we haven't really heard Eminem fight against like lyrically. I mean, lyrically fight against anyone who is a worthy adversary. He went against cannabis when he was on his downs when he when he was on his decline. He's gone against Fred Durst of Limb Biscuit. He went against that guy from Everlast. He um or Ever Everlast was the guy he went against, pardon me. Uh he was he's gone against Mariah Carey, he's gone against Nick Cannon. He hasn't really gone against anyone who is of his lyrical caliber. So for him to go against Joe Budden, that would be a treat for the fans because we know Joe Budden can get busy on that mic. So that's what I would like to see. So that's pretty much it for the beefs of 2018. I mean, that's a lot of rap feuds, but I feel like we haven't had that much of a resurgence with rap feuds in a very long time. I can't even say that the beef between Drake and Meek Mill was a resurgence because it was so lopsided. Because if you think about it, Drake was the only one who actually put out diss records, whereas Meek Mill, he stalled on his diss records, and it took him a week for him to respond. Meanwhile, Drake responded to him twice in that week. Drake responded to him within 24 hours of Charged Up and responded, what, two or three days later with Back to Back, which, again, you could argue is a top 10 all-time diss record because of the fact that it turned into a radio hit, basically. And it spawned all these memes. And, like, let's be honest, Meek Mill decisively lost that battle when he was supposed to be the one to have won that. So, again, besides from that beef, I can't think of any that has taken place this decade on wax that has matched the magnitude of all the beasts that we had in 2018 alone combined. So this is why I say that all of what has happened in this year so far has been a resurgence in rap beef on wax. Now, we can always reminisce about the good old days in the 90s or in the late 80s where you had guys beefing against one another and those tracks were good and everything. But we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to compare apples to oranges, right? We're here to compare what has happened in this decade thus far and what has happened this year specifically. And rap beef is not something that this current generation of hip-hop listeners are very privy to and familiar with. So all of what has happened on Wax, like the Drake and Pusha T beef specifically, as well as Eminem versus MGK, I feel like it's a treat for the audience who's listening right now, who's not really familiar with rap beef, for them to kind of go back into the crate, so to speak, and to kind of listen to all the rap records uh, from the past and to get an idea of where this battle culture kind of comes from. So that's right. That's my take on it. That's where I stand upon it. I feel like rap beef has made a bit of a resurgence in this year alone, and hopefully it will continue. And as long as everything is kept on record, it is kept on wax. Nobody is getting assaulted violently, physically in any way, shape, or form. They just keep it on the record. I'm here for it, and I think we all are. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Either way, let me know your comments uh, on any section below within any of my social media handles at cool radio cc 
coming up after the commercial break. We will discuss a lot more feuds happening right now that include Kanye, that include a bevy of other people as well. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Yep. Cool. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. <clears throat> and this is Cool Radio. Now let's get into Trip Talk. So three of the hottest topics that took place this week. And let us not waste any further time, shall we? So first one on the deck. So Kanye West made yet another appearance on social media. I missed all the uh, media tour dates he's been fulfilling. First that interview on Chicago, in Chicago rather, then him and Chance the Rapper appearing before a crowd of people, saying that they're going to do an album together and it's going to be a good-ass job and all that stuff. Sure. Um, <laughs> but no, this time his latest um, media address comes in the form of Instagram where he posted a video basically calling out Nick Cannon, uh, Drake, and model Tyson Beckford in regards to them mentioning his wife on social media, basically. So... This all goes back to an interview that Nick Cannon did on Everyday Struggle where he was answering some questions that, that academics and the other guys were asking him. And basically they were talking about you know, whether or not Drake smashed Kim Kardashian. And basically Cannon alluded that, hey, I don't know. I don't know, maybe, you never know, right? So he kind of made it very ambiguous as to whether or not he did or he didn't. And on top of that, Drake um, gets involved in this as well because Kanye, for some reason, thinks that Kiki in the uh, In My Feelings video, or song rather, is short for Kim. Kim, Kiki, Kim, Kiki. That's what he believes. And then Tyson Beckford made a comment about her curves, um, and the plastic surgery that she's done to her curves on Instagram and basically him saying that it's not for me. And Kanye was getting mad and basically saying, basically stating, don't disrespect my wife, don't disrespect my wife. Now, Nick Cannon responds, responded back and said, I got love for you, Kanye. I got nothing but love and respect for you. But at the end of the day, you're not going to tell me what and what not to say. All right. So this is my take on all of this. Um, Kanye's getting a taste of his own medicine. So I don't feel story for him in, in any way, shape, or form. Now, I do respect the fact that as a man, he is defending his wife's honor, and I respect that. But at the end of the day, you reap what you sow. Because A, you walked into that relationship with Kim Kardashian knowing that she had a past with multiple male celebrities. And you decided to date a public celebrity because of God knows why you decided to do it, but you did nonetheless. So you knew what you were getting into. And this is almost like one of the guys on the football team who's dating the cheerleader who had sex with half of the football team and him getting mad about it. Like, you knew what it was. This is a woman who made her name off of a sex tape that went viral. So you have no excuse as to getting mad about who she may have slept with. And it's not like they're talking about Drake sleeping with Kim right now while you guys were married or within your marriage or anything. So that's one. Two, or B rather, whichever you want to go with, Kanye has said things about other people's wives as well. And not like it was a long time ago, like 10 years ago, or whatever. No, he has said stuff, he has said stuff within the last five years alone. For example, 
when him and Amber Rose broke up. And this is at least a year or two after they broke up, maybe even more than that. He stated how he had to have at least 50 showers after having sex with her and how the son, the child that she has with Wiz Khalifa is really his child and everything like that. And not to mention on record, you publicly discussed the ins and outs of your guys' relationships in the most negative way. And then even in your little video for My Beautiful Drug Twisted Fantasy, you called her a bird. But you're out here getting mad at other men talking about your woman? Come on now. And not only that, but he also talked about uh, Jay-Z and his family on stage at a concert talking about, oh, Jay-Z won't let his kids see my kids. Beyonce out here getting handouts from the industry. They're making sure that she's going to be the only one on top and no one else. So now you're getting mad at the success that Jay-Z and Beyonce have accumulated and you're wondering why you don't want why they don't want their kids hanging out with yours? Hmm, I don't know. Huh? And then on top of that, the man stated how he had sex with Taylor Swift on the song, and that's what made her even more famous. So again, I can go on and on and on about how hypocritical that Kanye is being in this scenario and how hypocritical that he is all of the freaking time anyway, but we'd be here for at least another two hours. So I, again, have no sympathy for Kanye West in this, in this scenario. Yes, I do respect the fact that as a man and as a husband, he's defending his wife. But at the end of the day, you reap what you sow. You talk mess about somebody else's wives and kids, you're going to get it tenfold. And it's not like any of these guys were talking smack. Like, they were talking the truth. I mean, yes, it is true that, that you know, Nick Cannon and... Kim Kardashian had a prior relationship. Now, as to whether or not Drake slept with, you know, Kim or not, no one stated that they did. No one on the panel stated that they did. They asked a question, and Nick Cannon didn't give a definitive answer. He doesn't know that for a fact. Only Drake knows that. And as we all know, when it comes to the Kiki record, it's already been stated that Kiki is a woman that Drake was talking to at one point in time, and Kiki is not short for Kim Kardashian. Oh, boy. Somebody save this boy. I I don't know. I can't deal with Kanye. But what do you guys think? Either way, let me know on social media and share your thoughts. Next topic we got to get to. Uh, we got to get to Remy Martin, okay? Now, Remy Martin really agitated me, as well as Joe Budden on this particular topic, and as well as Scotty Beam to a certain extent. Because on the show... State of the Culture, which is hosted by Joe Budden, which is on Revolt. Uh, they were talking about George Zimmerman, which led into a discussion about Black Lives Matter and what the movement really stands for. Now, the fourth panelist on the show, uh, a young gentleman by the name of Jinx, he was basically stating that Black Lives Matter, as we all know by now, uh, is a statement towards all of America stating that black people are killed by law enforcement at a disproportionate weight in comparison to the rest of the population and that it needs to stop. But Remy Ma and Joe Budden were basically stating that how, you know, why should the Black Lives Matter movement when you see black people killing black people all the time? And that has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. That's a completely separate scenario in that regard. And Jinx was trying to allude to that, and he was trying to state that point. But Remy Ma kept on cutting him off, and then basically proceeded to say that, and I'm paraphrasing, mind you, that because he didn't grow up in the hood, then he shouldn't be speaking on these things because he wouldn't know what perspectives to come from. And it basically sounded like one of those scenarios where black people who love to big up the struggle and not having anything and being in that lower class often like to disrespect people, black people who grew up in the middle class 
in a more suburban area, basically stating that they don't know anything about struggle, they don't know anything about hardships, and it becomes this thing where they're having a battle of the oppression Olympics, so to speak. That is the disposition, the, the disposition that Remy Ma was coming from, and I can tell that Jinx is getting agitated because every time he tried to make his point, Remy Ma will cut him off with a whole bunch of street talk, and she was only doing that because she knew she lost the argument towards him because this guy was breaking up facts. And so that really made me agitated, and I meant, and I, I was so, I was so uh, agitated about that that I actually commented on that under the video. But what I found very enlightening was the fact that multiple people did as well. So I thought to myself, "Thank goodness I'm not the only one who's seeing this." All right. So that brings me to my point. At the end of the day, Black Lives Matter is about addressing the issue of black people being killed, unarmed black people, I should say, are being killed or at least assaulted by police officers at a disproportionate rate. That is the main point of Black Lives Matter. Now, when it comes to black people killing black people, people always love to bring up New York or Chicago and how you know, Black Lives Matter should also be addressing that as well. When in reality, it shouldn't because that's a separate issue. And the separate issue of when you see black people killing black people, it's not because of the fact that they're black, therefore I'm going to kill another black person. It's because of the fact that when it comes to murder or any type of crime in general, crime is all about proximity. So the closer to you, the closer you are to a crime-infested area, the greater your chances are that you're going to be involved in it. And that doesn't discriminate against color at all. There are white people who commit crimes against white people all the time. But guess what? The media nor the regular public, we don't consider that white on white crime, but when blacks kill other blacks, then all of a sudden it's black on black crime. When we should all know by now that black on black crime is a media construct to further segregate black people from other groups as well. It's just another form of segregation and discrimination as well. Basically to put problems within the community on ourselves. That's what it's mainly alluding to. Because if you look at it, white people kill white people at a much higher rate than black people do, but that stigma isn't placed upon them because they're not the minority. They're just looked at looked at as a bunch of bad apples, but then when it comes to black people, it engulfs the entire black community, no matter what part in the no matter what part of the globe you're in. And so I think that's the thing that Remy Ma and Joe Budden were so ignorant about. And it just let me know that they're not dumb, but at the same time, that type of socio-political topic is not for them to discuss because they don't have all the facts. And I was a little disappointed in Scotty Beam because she is very educated as well. But to me, it almost looked as though she was one of those black people who kind of grew up suburban, but at the same time wanted that validation from the hood mans and the hood gal and whatever. And because of that, she spoke very little on that. And when I say sp spoke very little, I'm talking about the fact that she easily could have jumped in and defended Jinx or at least tried to articulate what Jinx was trying to say before he kept on getting cut off. But she just kind of let him burn, basically. And I didn't appreciate that. So at the end of the day, that's what Black Lives Matter is all about. And they completely missed the mark on that and tried to basically verbally crucify this guy and tried to make it sound like he was a sellout to his own people for having an objective state of mind on that particular topic. And I didn't like that at all. So salute to Jinx. He made valid points. And I'm sure he would have made more if Remy Ma didn't keep cutting him off because that was super annoying. And Remy, I mean, you got to sip your game up when it comes to that arena if you want to talk about it. Yes, there are blacks killing blacks in certain communities as well, but it's not 
it that shouldn't deter you from stating that Black Lives Matter. Because Black Lives Matter isn't addressing that. That's something that needs to be addressed when it comes to crime and corruption. Black Lives Matter specifically addresses unarmed, unarmed blacks being assaulted or killed by members of law enforcement. That Those are two separate entities that shouldn't have to intertwine. And it shouldn't be discredited just because certain black people who are committing crimes don't value the lives of other black people when really it's more of a crime thing. So that's all I'm stating on that. I know I'm going to get people to this. I know people are going to disagree with me on that, but that's okay. Come at me with some facts and we can have some dialogue about that. But for the people who do agree with me, at least you guys already understand where I'm coming from and where Jinx is coming from as well. But either way, let me know what you think on that. Hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. And finally on Trip Talk, we got to talk about the Space Jam, all right? Now, the Space Jam sequel has been rumored for at least four or five years now it's been going on and people have been saying oh well blake griffin should be the one to be in space jam or should be lebron james etc etc i think there was even a commercial that starred jimmy butler and blake griffin and i think it was a jordan brand commercial as well and they're kind of alluding to that as well but now we've got the official confirmation that not only is lebron james going to be the main protagonist in space jam 2 but it will be produced keyword produced by Ryan Coogler, as you all know, is the director of the Black Panther film, which made up a gajillion dollars worldwide. So he will be on tap as a producer. I can't remember who the the director is going to be, but that person is on tap as well. And I think I heard a report saying that they're going to start shooting the film in the summer of 2019. So that's obviously going to be the offseason for LeBron James. And to be honest, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's a little taste of nostalgia because, of course, me being an 80s baby, growing up in the 90s, I saw Space Jam. I own Space Jam. The Space Jam soundtrack, the original soundtrack for Space Jam, is one of the greatest OSTs of all time. So many gems on that album. I mean, Fly Like an Eagle, I Believe I Can Fly, For You I Will, Monstars Anthem, Basketball Jones, the list goes on and on and on. So many gems on that album. And if you don't have that album, buy it, stream it, do what you gotta do, but make sure it is in your play deck. But anyways, I digress. Um, again, it's going to be great for the culture, I believe, for basketball culture, for film culture, for hip-hop culture as well. And I'm very excited to see what LeBron James can, can bring to it. And I think he's the perfect person to be the protagonist of that film because obviously MJ has been long since retired from basketball. LeBron James as freaky as it sounds, is still in the prime of his basketball career. He's probably at the height of his uh, visible persona as well. And we've seen him in films already. This guy has some personality. He was amazing in Trainwreck. He did a great job hosting Saturday Night Live back in 2009. Like, he knows how to present himself on camera. He's got a great sense of humor and will bring a ton of personality to, to the forefront. Now, as for Ryan Coogler as a producer, it'll be interesting to see what he does as a producer because we've seen him in the, director, in the, in the directorial chair, but we've not seen him as a producer. So he's going to have his hands on a lot more other things than just seeing the overall vision of the, of the project. Like He's going to be responsible for 
you know, bringing the talents on and also providing some of the resources for this film as well. So we'll see what he does now that he's in a Kevin Feige type of role, essentially. But that'll be interesting to see, and I'm really looking forward to that as well because, again, Space Jam is a classic film. No matter what you say about how it stands now as far as the graphics and the 2D rendering of all the characters and what have you, it's still a classic film in my books. It's the highest grossing sports film of all time. So that lets you know something. Uh, on top of that, what I'm curious to know is, and I could be out of the loop on this, but as far as children of today's generation, I'm not so sure if they know all that much about the Looney Tunes. When it comes to Bugs Bunny, Tweety Bird, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Elmer Fudd, etc., etc., I don't know what their knowledge level is like because the, the, the Looney Tunes have been around since the 1930s, okay? And mind you, I knew about them growing up in the 90s as well, just watching the old school cartoons from that era. So hopefully the... Um, the nostalgia has kind of passed down to today's current generation of kids growing up. So hopefully, you know, they'll enjoy it just as much as we did growing up. So it'll be interesting to see. But either way, what do you guys think about Space Jam 2 now that it's official? Will you be going to see it when it eventually gets released? Are you excited for it? Is this something that should be left alone and left within the... Uh, the confines of the 90s. Either way, hit me up with, with your thoughts and your comments on all my social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the end of the, the, uh, the broadcast. But before we end things off, it is time for the Wankster of the Week. And this week's Wankster of the Week goes to none other than child killer George Zimmerman. Now, this guy has been running amok as of recently, okay? I mean, the last photo I saw of this guy, he was autographing a pack of Skittles for some redneck Make America Great Again biker dude. And just basically just profiting off of his killing of Trayvon Martin. And it's just very disheartening to see. Like, to me, he's kind of coming across like O.J. Simpson right now. But anyways, I digress. The reason why I'm giving him the wankster this week is because of the fact that he uh, made some comments about Jay-Z and Beyonce saying that he wants them dead and how they look like a pair of gorillas and something to that extent. Basically threatening their life and demeaning who they are as people, which I did not appreciate because at the end of the day, they are people, very successful people, very influential people at that. And I saw it as a way of him to get more attention yet again based off of his rhetoric and what he's done thus far as far as killing Trayvon Martin and getting off scot-free, essentially. So to George Zimmerman, you're a piece of shit. You're a scumbag, and you don't even deserve to breathe oxygen right now. Now, it's not up to me to for someone to take your life away or anyone else for that matter, but... When the bill comes due, it will come due all the time. So say all the things you want. Get all the attention, all the notoriety that you shall seek. Bathe in your infamy because one day it will come crashing down and you are going to have to be prepared to meet the image of your maker. And when that day happens, it probably won't be pretty. So with that said, I'm going to leave it like that. That's all I need to say because I'm not even going to waste one more ounce of oxygen on this fool. Does he deserve the wanks of the week? Of course he does. And I'm going to drop it on him just like this.
And that's it for tonight's show, people. I want to thank you all for tuning in as you normally do. We will be be back on the air next week with a guest, so I will keep you up to date on that. And as you already know, Cool Radio is the division of Cool Click Media, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.